Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between, welcome to another episode of the Jake Botel Sports Experience. This one being recorded sitting on my couch on a, what day is it? Tuesday, on a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, beautiful sunny day outside, but I've had a few things to knock over inside, you know, bit of mundane stuff, house cleaning, sweeping floors, washing dishes, you know, all that, all that sort of stuff. Um, but also managed to knock over watching Cork and Limerick from the National Hurling League, Division 1A. Got some more sport in me over the weekend as well. I watched um, Antrim and Kilkenny as well as Cashel uh, CS versus uh, Turles in the Hearty Cup final. The first time that you had an all-tipperary uh, Hearty Cup final. So I want to talk a bit about that while I sit on the couch here. Um, also watched a, a, a shit ton of um, biathlon as well. Talia and myself. Been, and Jack, I actually watched some with us as well. The... Uh, event from the start of the season. We're basically working our way back through the season, um, trying to catch up for the last couple of rounds so we can watch them live. So we've got one more uh, race or one more stage or event to go uh, in the uh, Contiolati uh, event from Finland. And I think that's the women's, the, the, the women's pursuit. Watch the men's pursuit last night, um, which was really – that's a great – yeah – a great event because it's the there's a lot more people sort of out on the course right from the start you threw it in about 40 minutes total and the seating is based on how the the competitors performed in the sprint which is the event that happened before it so yeah really enjoying really enjoying watching the biathlon um starting to get a few favorites. I think Norway is going to become my team. Quite fond of Sterleholm Ligrad. I really like Johannes Dignes Bo. So there's a couple of the Norwegians who have and Johannes Dignes Bo has just been an absolute beast in that event. Like I said, I'm not really caught up with the whole season. We're just now watching the first event of the season. Um but they've they've been too. I, I feel sorry for um, Ligrid. He or, or Ligrid, um, always just seems to get pipped at the post by someone, um, and that's what sort of happened to him a few times in this event. But I, th- I think he's ultimately going to be my favourite male biathlete, um, for better or for worse. And I'm not sure. I quite like watching the Erberg sisters in the women's. Uh, events for Sweden. Yeah, still trying to find favourites there probably. So yeah, looking forward to finishing that off probably this evening or this afternoon and then we'll move on to the next one and we've got the World Championships starting on the 8th of February, which I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching. The website says it's um, going to be streamed for free on their website, so can't wait to watch that. Um didn't get to watch any Northern Territory Football League because I discovered you have to have a paid subscription to watch the streams live. 
all the streams end up going up on their YouTube page a couple of days afterwards. So the games that are played on Saturday are up for public viewing for free on their YouTube on a Monday. Um, but yeah, you got to have a paid subscription to watch live. But that's all right. I can just watch it. Wait a couple of days and <laughs> watch it. Watch as it is. Um, what other things do I need to talk about before I get into the hurling? Um, still haven't been significantly rebitten by the NFL bug. Really enjoying the fact that there wasn't any American football on the weekend. Um, the ne- it's it's been a necessarily couple of weeks sort of detox for me. I've kept up with one podcast around the NFL, which I've been listening to since 2017. More out of habit, really. Um, great pod, but yeah, look, I, it's not been like, oh man, I want to. I'm craving watching it, so I'm really interested to see how this off season goes. I'm I'm pretty keen to try not to follow it blow by blow. You know, all the free agency and and all that sort of stuff, and and really try and let it have an off season because right now. My life really isn't being impacted by not watching it. Um, and, and seriously considering just going back to watching the three games that I get during the week on regular TV here in Australia. Uh, yeah, doing away with the subscription package and just watching the games that are publicly available for free on Australian TV. And yeah, so yeah, look. I'm I'm pretty content at the moment. I'll watch the Super Bowl and that sort of thing, but but then I'm I'm feeling like I'll be pretty happy to let that drift off into a into a proper off season where I don't have to like keep my finger to the pulse the whole time. Um stopping listening to around the NFL might not happen because I just enjoy those guys and their work and and the vibe. So um yeah, we'll probably continue listening to them, I guess, but I just don't feel like I need to be watching NFL Network 24-7 and glued to every little transaction, business transaction that these teams make. Um, uh, recorded a little episode with Jacko uh, earlier this morning. Really cool announcement for him. So under the JBSE roof, he's launching his own footy podcast called Markers Up with Jack Johnston. Um, he gives a great description of what that's going to be about uh, on that announcement episode. So you should definitely go and check that out. Uh, but that's really exciting. I, I had no strong intentions of covering the footy season um, on the JBSE. I already do uh, twice weekly episodes about Geelong Cats footy on the Chaps Chat Cats, which is the other podcast I'm on. So I yeah I really had no no strong urge to do AFL content all season myself so it's really nice it's it's going to be it'll just sit in the JBSE as I said under under the JBSE roof you'll be able to get those episodes just in your normal Apple podcasts or Spotify JBSE feed they'll pop up there it'll have a different title you know for those episodes and probably a different logo as well um, once Jack gets one sorted out, so they'll be easy to distinguish, but you might find it a nice companion piece uh, to listen to this footy season. I, I think Jack's going to do a great job with that, and yeah, when I get the call, I'll I'll gladly guest on that one as well. So yeah, you can look forward to that. Um, yeah, so the hurling. So I started off watching a rainy clash between Antrim and Kilkenny uh, up in, is it Corrigan Park? 
up up in Antrim, up in Belfast. Blustery weather, truly horrible weather for hurling. Um, just wind swept, rain soaked. At one point, it had fog blow in. You could barely see what was happening on the, on the pitch. I've got a bit of a soft spot for Antrim. Don't know why. It's just sort of developed over the, the time I've watched hurling. You know, it's very clearly Tipperary number one for me. But then if, if, if there's a second team that I kind of cheer for, yeah, it's probably Antrim. The Saffron County enjoy watching their development. Um, Kilkenny in this game under new management. I think it's Derek Ling uh, is the new manager after... Brian Cody uh, stepped aside at the end of last year after, you know, mythologically uh, elite career at the helm of the Cats. So I was interested to see. And look, I, I felt like Kilkenny never had to get out of, not first gear, like, I don't know, if you think of a team having four or five gears, then they never really got out of third. It didn't feel like they they were composed, they were calm. Antrim, I don't know, it's, it sounds harsh, but they kind of disappointed me a bit. It it just felt like they were, I don't know if it was in their shell or they, they were playing to me a really sort of, a dainty style of ball movement in weather that just wasn't allowing it. And you know, Kilkenny's half back line were just adept at mopping everything up, at breaking down Antrim forward thrusts, and then punish the, punishing them on the on on the return. I think Kilkenny had a couple of goals. They at least had one. I can't remember if they got two. I know they had one. Um, I watched this a couple of nights ago. Um, but yeah, just a little disappointed, I guess. It never. I've watched games before. I remember an Antrim Wexford game, I think it was, where Antrim roared back, I think, to claim a draw, and the crowd was up and about behind them, and you could really feel that that golden wave kind of rising and overwhelming Wexford. It just never got that in this game. I kept waiting for Antrim to make this charge and the crowd would get behind them and suddenly Kilkenny, you know, without Brian Cody at the helm, would look, you know, a bit tentative. But Kilkenny were steely. Kilkenny were consistent. Um, they were strong. They, they executed their skills well in the wet weather, in the cold. They were tough. Uh, Antrim just sort of it didn't feel like they had some sort of knockout blow that would that could ever really shake Kilkenny. Um, you know, sometimes you think a team might not consistently threaten, but they virtually never had a threat on goal. And I just think that that's what they really needed. They needed to put one into the back of the net to, to ever really be in this game against Kilkenny. And they, they just couldn't. There was some freeze missed from Connell Cunning, and I understand that it was wet weather, but then Kilkenny's free-takers seemed to execute very well in the conditions, even with some tricky shots that weren't just, you know, absolute dollies. So, yeah, I was disappointed. I was a bit disappointed. It felt a little soulless, maybe, a little flat-footed. Definitely never reached anything near, you know, championship hurling, which I get. It's the league, and, and, and that's just as it is sometimes, but uh, 
you know, then I watched Kilkenny, uh, sorry, Limerick and Cork, and admittedly in much better weather, you know, probably playing on a surface that was in much better condition given the weather. Um, and, you know, it, it, you can't just say blanket, well, the National League never has championship hurling. Sometimes it does. For 15 or 20 minutes, it might rise to that occasion if, 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 the, if the elements are right, if, if the spirit takes the two teams. And I felt like we got that for long stretches um, in Cork and Limerick which I'll talk about in a second. Um, so the, the game I watched between those ones was Cashel and Thurlis in the Hearty Cup final. It's really interesting. Cashel went in as, as the underdogs. Um, and yet, for me, I think I said this on Twitter, they really were, for, for, for large stretches of the game, the better team, I thought. Thurlis uh, probably had some, you know, some, some early misses that opened the door. And, and I thought Cashel were, were all too able to walk through that door once it was left open early. As I said, Turles sort of spurned early opportunities. And thereafter, I really thought Cashel looked the more confident team. They looked the more consistent team. I thought down back, they really had some dominant performances uh, in terms of stopping Turles um, on the attack and then transitioning out of defense into attack. I thought they looked so confident. They they just seemed sort of, I don't know, big-bodied, big-bodied, tough, skilled, confident, very much a team, you know, uh, embodying the traits uh, that, that no doubt they would, they would hold up, you know. As I said, that, that confidence, the strength, the speed, execution of skills. Now, it was a low-scoring game, but well-deserved. I thought I thought Cashel were, were, were well uh, were very good value for the win. I, I thought there was only one or two stretches in that game where Turles looked like they would they they were on top and and those moments were sort of in the minority. And Cashel always had the answers whenever Turles managed to ask the question, uh, and and so very much deserved winners. It was a good game, a good crowd, uh, and Cashel. Yeah, as I said, good value for the win. Good, good game of hurling. Um, so the, the the game I've watched this morning, Cork and Limerick, was it was a tale of two halves. Limerick looked like they'd barely skipped a beat. They came out strong. They outshot Cork easily. Cork spurned a lot of opportunities, and I thought, well, there goes the game. They've tried to outshoot Limerick. It's not come, come off for them. And now the green machine is going to roll. Uh, Limerick were up 16 to 8 at half time, And it just had all the hallmarks of uh, a typical Limerick win. Cork sort of looking a little bit listless, not executing in those shooting moments. And then it all turned on its head. Um, Cork... Were, were more physically vibrant in the second half. They were closing down space on Limerick. You know, as Limerick tried to play their way through the lines out of defence, you know, Cork was swarming. You know, it, it was a total role reversal. 
Limerick were doing all of those things that are typical of this great Limerick side. Swarming to the ball. You'd have one cork player, uh, you know, trying to raise a ball up and he'd be surrounded by two or three Limerick guys badgering him for the ball and it'd come out Limerick's way and off they'd go. They'd work it cleverly, uh, you know, whether it was by hand or by Hurley, out to someone in space and they'd launch a long score. And it was just sort of this relentless green machine churning into gear, churning over long points. And any time Cork looked like mounting a resistance, Limerick just squashed them. Uh, I thought Seamus Flanagan was brilliant in the first half. He, so tireless in his efforts to, to help not, you know, to put other people in good positions. He was involved in so many scores, giving it off to someone else in a better spot. Uh, I thought uh, Tom Morrissey had a good first half. Garoid Hegarty did some nice things. Uh, there's another one I'm trying to think. Uh, David Reedy was pretty good on the freeze too. And then it all just, it's just changed in the second half. Cork came out and that rebel, that rebel roar that Tipperary faced in the Munster um, Senior Hurling League final a few weeks ago, it rose again and it crashed down on Limerick and suddenly Limerick didn't have the space to work. And the recipe, as I've thought all along with, with Limerick, you have to find a way to score goals against Limerick. And Cork did that. They scored two goals, two really nice goals. One was a lovely ground strike from, I can't think who it was, and the other one was a beautiful shot back across goal from Conor Lahan? Or was it Cahalan? I can't remember. But anyway, uh, beautiful goals. And that really, you know, that being able to score six points on two shots sort of thing really helps against the flow, that relentless flow of Limerick points being deposited over the bar from all over the field. It breaks, it puts the spanner in the works of that machine. Limerick are such a machine. They're such this dominant um, piece of equipment that they just they will just churn over points like clockwork, particularly if you're not up to be physical with them around the ground and in the middle of the field to stop them running through you and passing through you. You've got to be able to, you've got to be committed defensively to stopping up the space. And I think last year we saw it when Tip played them in the Munster Hurling Championship. For 60 minutes, Tip really crashed in to Limerick. They were physical, they were fiery, they were fierce, uh, you know, they were closing down Limerick's space. And suddenly, Limerick didn't look bad, but they looked it was suddenly possible for them to be beaten because suddenly they didn't look superhuman. Suddenly they just looked like a good hurling team that if you were prepared to work hard against, could be defeated. They never look terrible. They never look bad. But you've got to bring them back down to a, to a normal level. You can't op- let them have that space. They're too talented. They're too well-drilled. They're too physical. They're too fit. So just let them have space to work. And, and Cork... Let them have space to work in that first half. And then second half, Cork were up for a fight. They worked their way back into it. 
by being physical, by closing up the space, by applying defensive pressure, and then moving the ball with a lot more confidence um, going forward, you know, hitting Limerick more on the rebound. And the goals brought them back into it. You're never going to outshoot Limerick, in my opinion. If you are just saying, we're just going to go head-to-head with Limerick and try and score points from all over the ground, we're just going to go for you know for the over-the-bar, the single, they will outshoot anyone, anytime. You have to be able to break up the rhythm of the scoring by getting goals. I really do think that. I'm not, I'm not saying that Limerick are incapable of getting a goal themselves, but I think you have to, you have to try and throw that that wrench into their gears. You have to say we we are going to try and score two or three goals in this game, and we'll take our points when there's obvious point taking opportunities. But I, I think just trying to outshoot them from distance is is a fool's errand because they are so good at it. They are just so good at it, and I felt like Cork probably tried to do a bit too much of that in the first half, once. You had Robbie O'Flynn. Maybe it was Robbie O'Flynn that got the goal. Hmm. Anyway. Um, whoever it was, it was a beautiful strike. Both of them were really well-taken goals. Once Cork started running across the ground, running and carrying and, and, and moving the ball direct and not going sideways too often, once they were... A, applying physical pressure and they're actually fighting for the ball against Limerick and fighting for territory. Well, then the game came alive and then it was on. And, you know, Cork got the winning score late. I believe it was Shane Kingston um, with pretty much the, the, the last puck of the game, maybe the second last. And, you know, that wrapped up the result for Cork. Oh. Uh, an impressive win, I would say, for Cork. Uh, an important win for them. You wouldn't have wanted two halves like the first. It is only the league, though. You know, lots can change between now and then. And, and uh, I think Limerick will get, you know, players back. There was no Dermot Burns out there. There was no Aaron Galan. Um, so, you know, this wasn't a full-strength side. It wasn't a full-strength effort. From Limerick, but important for Cork's psyche, I think, to get that win. It does make me wonder why they can't open like this. Because you, you, we've seen this a few times now with, with Cork, where you know the Tipperary game a few weeks ago is a great example, where they looked pretty average for a long stretch, and then they came alive in the last 10, 15 minutes. Um, if they can hurl like this from the opening of the game, then they can beat anybody. And that's what's frustrating about Cork. There's obvious buckets of talent in Cork's, you know, senior hurling panel. Absolutely no denying that. But sometimes it's just really frustrating watching them because it's like that meme, you know, the, the guy with the stick poking, you know, the thing on the ground going, do something. That's what it's like watching Cork sometimes. That's what it was like watching them in the first half of this game. It's like, Fucking do something. And then the second half, it, you know, they rip the lid off it. And suddenly, like, that's what it's about. That's why, that, that's rebels hurling. You know, that's when they, the, the title is befitting um, 
when they're hurling like that, that is that red, red wave of, of Rebels hurling, and it overwhelmed the green machine in the second half. But, yeah, look, I think Limerick showed enough to suggest that when it's championship time and when they've got the full complement of players back, I, I think the appetite will still absolutely be there. And them, they, they, there was some beautiful hurling from them in that first half. Um, yeah, some really nice moments. But Cork, you know, d- deserving winners on the basis of that second half where they outscored um, Limerick 15-6. to six. It's a big turnaround. It's a big turnaround. It's as, it's as listless as I've seen Limerick look trying to move the ball out from the back. Um, and I understand it's only a league game, so I'm not reading too much into it. But it's just very rare that you see them look sort of bereft of options um, and frustrated. And making poor choices at the end of that game, which is something you very rarely see them do. So, yeah, Cork, if they play like that, they're going to be a joy to watch. And if it's if it's up and down all year, they're going to be a frustrating watch again. So, all right, I think that'll do it for me here. Uh, I'm going to put an end to this one. Be back in your ears. I don't know, who knows? Tomorrow, the next day, maybe all of it. We'll definitely try and preview the Super Bowl for those of you who have been following our NFL coverage this year. So, Jacko and I will be back in your ears soon. I think the first episode of Markers Up will be out tomorrow. I think that's what Jacko said. So, if you want to know what that's about, listen in there and go back and listen to the announcement episode because he gives a really good description of what he's aiming for. So, yeah. All right, I'm off to, uh, I don't know, probably watch some more Biathlon. Be well, guys.